everybody. Welcome to Ultimate Insider, Bear Insiders Podcast. I'm Mike Pulaski, Hall of Fame quarterback and color analyst for the Golden Bears. Today we are talking about the Utah Utes, a team that is that has been notoriously good on defense, has played in the Rose Bowl recently, has won the Pac-12 championship several times recently, and a formidable defense for sure. Bears travel to Rice-Eccles Stadium, and that is a tough, tough place to win. Let's just start there. So the Utes are 17-0 and in their last 17 games at home, and they've won 28 of their last 29 games at home, so very good. Kyle Whittingham, in his tenure as the head coach at Utah, has had five perfect home seasons there, including 2022 and 2021. So the last two seasons, they've been perfect at home. Very good home record, obviously. A couple things play into that. One, they have a great home crowd. They're loud. They're obnoxious. They know when to cheer. They're very savvy. They're way into the game. So they dig it. They're all about it. Uh, and they're good football fans. Secondly, it's a mountain town. So it's at ele- elevation. It's at altitude. And that can play on your physiology a little bit. It feels tough to breathe. It, a, there's less oxygen, for one. But B, it feels dry. And when it feels dry, your lungs feel dry. It feels like it's burning. You get a little psychological boost if you're the home team, a little psychological hit if you're the visiting team. And so getting over that, it's just mental. Understanding that it's just mental and getting through it is how you have to master that. You can't go there unless you're going to go there for a couple of weeks to prepare for the game. There's nothing you can do about it. You just got to show up and play and play as well as you can. Stay hydrated and you'll be fine. You'll survive it, right? So convince yourself you'll survive it and don't let your body's physiology screw with your head. Uh, The Bears can do that. Coach Wilcox has played at altitude before. They've played at Colorado. They've played at several places where they've played up. And so uh, Tucson is a game at elevation a little bit as well. So anyway, that's one thing. It's a tough place to play, good home crowd, playing at elevation. Those things play against you. Not as big a deal as playing Kyle Whittingham and a great defensive staff. Now, Kyle Whittingham has been there for almost two decades. He is the highest tenured coach in the longest tenured coach, I should say, in the Pac-12. And his defensive coordinator, Morgan Scally, has been there with him for 16 years. So they know what they're doing on defense, and they don't do a ton. They run even front, so a four-man down front. They have edge guys that can absolutely get after you, and they play man behind it. So they try to lock you down the corners. They play man with the safeties. And then they run four-man front that's blocking the blockers and let their linebackers tackle. Simple formula. They play a little bit of junk. So you'll see some safety blitzes. You'll see some a few twists and a few stunts. You'll see uh, some bare front. So a little different change that you have to practice for week in, week out. But essentially, they're an even front team that's going to play you man or three match, which essentially turns into man. And you have to try to beat them at that game. They're going to be physical. They are going to fly to the football. They're going to know and execute their assignments. And so you have to beat them to the point, and then you have to punch them in the mouth. You have to hit them, move them, get them out of the hole that you are trying to use if you are running the football. So clear the gap create the space and zone. And then if you're running routes, you have to get open against man. 
Against cover three, you have to use three beaters, which stuff like sail down the sideline, three level vertical floods, over routes, those kind of things. If they're going to be man and get after you with the edge guys, we'll talk about him in just a second. Then you have to do quick runaway routes, quick outs, quick slants, shallow crosses. Uh, mesh can come into play a lot in this game versus man. So you can rub people off because picks are illegal. And so you'll just be rubbing across the middle there and people can get knocked off. Uh, but things like that. And then if they want to come up and press, then you have to take your shots over the top. Go get it. And so that is the game plan. That's what you have to do. It's really, it's that simple. And it's who executes better because their defense is not crazy. I will talk to Coach Wilcox. He will essentially tell you the same thing coming up here shortly. That Their defense doesn't do a ton. They just do what they do extremely well, extremely fast, and violently. And so that's what you have to contend with at Utah. And last time Cal was there, uh, they had a freshman quarterback in Spencer Brash that they decided to give the start for whatever reason. I think they got either 87 yards passing or 87 yards of total offense. It was it was an atrocious day. They got beat 35-0. to zero. And so not a great, fond memory for Cal. Completely different offensive staff at this point from that one. So that said, let's talk about personnel and defense. Their edge guy is number 83, Jonah Ellis. You are going to notice this dude. He has seven and a half sacks on the year, 10 and a half tackles for loss. He is really, really, really tough to block off the edge. Uh, one of the classic edge guys that you see around the Pac-12, great physical athlete outside. He's stout. He's fast. He's 6'3", about 250. He can move. He can rush the passer, and he's also good versus the run. But primarily, you think of him as a pass rush type dude with seven and a half sacks. He gets after passers, period. On the other side, they have Logan Fonno, although he will not be there for this game. They had both these guys. Logan Fonno, number zero, to me, was an even better athlete. He uh, blew his ACL. He is out for the season. So they do. the Bears don't have to face him, but had they had them both, these are both edge rush guys that can make a defense great. Uh, he has a backup filling in for him. Not quite the same level of player as Fano. So that is a bonus for the Bears. Defensive tackle, Keanu Tanuvasa. Very good inside. 6'3", 310. He has two sacks on the year. He is physical. He has a bunch of tackles for loss. Uh, he is stout inside a run stopper. One of those guys up front who blocks the blockers. And so simple formula. Big guys up front block the blockers. Edge guys get home and rush the passer. Pretty good, right? Let the linebackers tackle. You have Lavani Duman, Lander Barton, and Kareen Reed at that linebacker spot. Three guys run, chase, hit. That's what they do. Uh, they're fast enough to run side to side. They can get downhill and tackle the run. They're, they're physical in the run game, so very good. They're holding opponents to 11 and some points a game, 11, like 11.8, I think, right now. And they are holding opponents to 67 yards per game rushing. So very good against the rush, very good at stopping teams that want to run the ball against them. Physical, physical, physical up front. It will be a matchup for, for the Bears offensive line. On the, in the secondary, they've got dudes who I really like at their safety position. Number eight, Cole Bishop is a stud. Showed up in the Pac-12 championship game last year. 6'2", 208. He flies around to the ball. 
Uh, he's got four and a half tackles for loss on the season. They bring him on the blitz from time to time. He's got two sacks at that. He's got two interceptions. So this dude does everything. He's number two on the team in tackles right now as a free safety. So he flies around, he hits, he makes plays, he comes downhill. He is physically violent at that safety spot. And I enjoy watching him. He's a good football player. On the other side, they have Sione Vake. He is the strong safety. He leads the team in tackles. And he also has six and a half tackles for loss. So their safety is incredibly active in terms of if they're playing three, rotating across, getting down the run game, getting their nose in it. And so tough physical safeties that can fly. Uh, I like them. They're good football players out there. So these guys will be fun to watch. Their corners are experienced between them. They've each, uh, they each have 36, at least 36 games of experience each individually. Uh, and I think almost 40 starts between them. So they're good. They play man, whether they're playing three match or they're playing one, it's a match on the outside. So they're playing essentially man up and they can cover down. They can run, they, they'll be in good position. Uh, one of them is six foot one, the other one's five foot 11. So not bad size, uh, good speed on the outside, good coverage technique. They are not scared to hold as most corners who play man, they are not scared to hold. And so when you have guys like that who can lock you down and make the quarterback hold it for a beat, it gives a chance for Ellis to get home. And that's how you get a lot of sacks. It's a good defense. It's a good formula. Uh, they play extremely well. Like I said, in spite of the fact that Utah is only scoring 19 points per game, they've still only got one loss on the season. That was to Oregon State. And they beat UCLA 14-7. to And UCLA is not bad on offense this year. So... It is, uh, it is going to be a test for Cal's offense. I told you I liked what Fernando Mendoza did last game for the, uh, for the Bears at that quarterback spot, that he always had his eyes in the right place, that he was doing the right thing as a quarterback. Some of you asked me what that looked like. So right now we're going to take a look at some film of what Fernando did uh, that was really fun to watch as a quarterback and a quarterback coach. And watch him operate and you'll understand better what I'm talking about now after you watch this film. So let's take a look. A lot of you guys were curious about what I meant on pulling the ball on the read. What you're going to see here is a counter GT play. The reason they call it GT is because the guard and the tackle GT are both pulling. Guard's going to pull and kick. Tackle is supposed to pull and wrap. Left guard and tackle are doing what's called a tug tackle guard, both clearing this gap to get him out. So this is counter, it is a gap scheme run. These guys tug, clear the gap, work to the backer, guard kicks this end, tackle wraps and looks for work because you're going against a five-man box. So Fernando here, what teams will do to try to stop this is they will do two things. One, they will squeeze. As these guys pull, they will try to squeeze and chase. So they give the quarterback a read. This defensive end, who is unblocked, is the quarterback's block. If he chases, quarterback is supposed to pull it. If he tries to retreat and chase so that when 
his technique should be to try to take on that guard and spill this run this way. And you'll have a linebacker and then this guy filling in, okay, to back it up. So there's a lot of technical stuff going on here. But if this defensive end chases or if he retreats and chases, then the quarterback pulls. Essentially, if he disappears, the quarterback pulls it. So you're going to see Fernando here as he makes this read on the counter. Boom, right here, his eyes are on that end. This end is retreating, going here, chasing. This guy's trying to collapse. Nice job by Driscoll to pick this up. The three technique actually gets a little bit of penetration and blows this up a little bit. So it would not have been a great run play as a result. Defensive end is going to try to wrong shoulder or cross hat this to blow it up to spill it. But Fernando sees it and pulls it. Now, he's getting outside. He still has an option to throw a bubble right here to the outside to Monroe Young. His next read is off of this linebacker. So watch the linebacker. Fernando is going to read him. If he comes up to attack Fernando and make the tackle, ball is going to come out to Monroe Young. If he reacts to attack the bubble, then Fernando is going to take that and turn that up in the vacated spice. So it's actually a triple option here on this play. Fernando sees him react to the outside to the bubble. He turns it up. And he gains positive yardage and moves the stick. So now, teams have to stay home. A great view of it from behind right here. One more time, you're going to see guard, tackle, tug to backer. Center, block back to the three. Actually, almost a four technique. Right guard is going to pull and kick. Left tackle is going to pull and wrap, or should be pulling and wrapping, but you get some penetration here. And back is going to take the ball underneath and follow this blocking. Fernando is keying this guy. Remember, if he chases hard, squeezes on the backside, or if he disappears here, Fernando is supposed to pull this football. Takes a snap. Boom. Eyes on that outside player. He goes away. He's going to pull this ball. Next read, right there, that outside backer. He runs out to cover the bubble. Fernando keeps it. That is the anatomy of the triple option read. You guys will remember that Marcus Mariota ran it to perfection at Oregon. That's Fernando doing his version of it here. So our very own Jim McGill from Bear Insider asked me to draw this one up because he liked it a lot. And I like it a lot too because it shows you a couple things about Fernando. So what you have, chips to the boundary. You'll see three receivers. One, two, three up here. You've got man on the outside. Man coverage here. This guy also looks like he's playing man. Probably man and they're trying to bracket. So what you get is these four over these three. Three guys playing man, one to help out over the top. Could be a three on two bracket inside if they go vertical. So 
tough place to throw the ball. The one opening could be if you get the fade, run the quick out, you'll probably have some business working there. You have one-on-one -on -one down here, but you also have safety help over the top. So this is likely going to be a bracket or at least a safety there to help out. What they have called is slant out here to Jeremiah Hunter. Trying to stick the slant in there right before the goal line, stick it on him. As we snap the ball, you'll see they run the slant. Safety's just sat. He's in the window. So tough to fit that ball in there. You could potentially try to throw it back here, back of the end zone, but that is a tough throw. In the meantime, Oregon State has good edge guys. So you're getting pressure from both sides, getting squeezed. Initially, Fernando steps up into the pocket. But then he realizes this is closing down pretty quick. And he escapes. Gets out here. Now, I always tell quarterbacks, you need to remain a passer until you cross the line of scrimmage. Line of scrimmage here, you can see the official's foot is on it, is the nine-yard line. So that's the line of scrimmage. Fernando, as a young quarterback, what they'll often do is just take off running, boom, try to get the yardage. And so he had some yards in this play, but instead he remains a passer as the backer comes up to attack. Fernando, to make that tackle, he sees Ifonse open in the route downfield and dumps that ball off. And as we all know, I say Ifonse is really hard to tackle. So we'll watch that one more time, full speed, and you can appreciate the beauty of this. Good read. Not giving that ball away. Tries to find his back. It's not there. He runs, but then realizes he's still a passer and dumps it off. And look at him get up, how pumped up he is. I absolutely love that. Finally, how did Jack Andrews get so open down the middle of the field? Well, clearly Spav had an indication or he had some tendency on Oregon State's defense. Maybe it's when you get down to the 30 or when you get down here on down and distance or whatever it may be that they like to bring field pressure. And so what you see is two by two here, two by two, one, two, but Jack Andrews is attached as a tight end in that wing position. Oregon State is going to bring field pressure this guy off the edge. So they're playing man, playing man, playing man here. And this safety, I believe, is playing man there. And I'll show you why in just a second here. When this play moves forward, now they go to empty. Look at these guys right here communicating about who has who. He's telling them, man, this guy's pointing. I got him. He's got him. This guy is still coming on a pressure. He is still the blitz guy. He's man here. He's man here. That leaves this guy, either a strong safety type, a linebacker, nickel Sam, whatever, out in the blue. Also, take a look right here. That's what's going through his head. What are we doing here? Nobody moved though. Strength shifted and nobody really moved. 
So something's up. This guy is going to drop off underneath in a zone blitz. This guy's going to come on a pressure, which means one, two, three, four guys are coming. Not a big deal. You can pick that up because you got five offensive linemen. But still, nobody has Jack Andrews in their coverage. You're going to see sits with slot fades inside, and Jack Andrews going right down the middle of the field, right down the pipe. Since nobody has him, Jack Andrews is going to end up completely uncovered. It's number two here, and he's trying to figure out, almost got back in place, but then he realizes, oh, wait, that's my guy. Too late. That ball's already out. You have two guys wasted in that coverage. The defensive end that dropped and number two are both out of position. He should have come over the top to cover down the tight end to replace him. He drops out. You bring four. That is now sound. But because he didn't travel, he's out of position, and they beat him for six. I will let you watch this one time in all its glory. Great call, right time, excellent read by Fernando Mendoza. Great job by Jack Andrews of making sure that he made that catch. So getting your eyes in the right place opens up the offense. And essentially, to play great, all you have to do is what you're coached to do. And if you can do that, just do it efficiently, you're going to have a great game. You'll at least have a good game, and then you go above and beyond, and you hit everything, and you're going to have a great game. So Fernando will work on his accuracy, but his reads right now, having his eyes in the right place are key, and he learns really quickly. And fun little note, I was at practice today, and Nando came up to Coach Spavital at the end of the game. He said, hey, Coach, I've got a tell for you. He's been watching film. He picked up a tell and explained to the coach exactly what he was seeing on film. And afterwards, Coach Spavital and I looked at each other for like, isn't that awesome? Like, you love seeing that young quarterback. And so... As a quarterback coach, that's exactly what you want from your guy. That's what I tried to do when I was a quarterback. That's what Fernando is doing right now. He is bringing more than just his physical play, more than just showing up, not thinking it's just about talent. He's doing the work and getting and doing the right things and getting his eyes in the right place. So I love that. It was awesome. Uh, as a Cal quarterback, as a Cal dude, it, it did my heart good to hear him do that. So... Uh, I love watching him. He's going to keep getting better from this point forward, working like he does. Watch him blossom. So it's going to be fun. Right now, let's talk to head coach Justin Wilcox for his preview of Utah. And he will tell you, it is not a big, sophisticated scheme that you have to get ready for, but you better strap that helmet up tight. So this week, you talked about it. Even maybe bigger, at least as physical, if not more physical on defense for Utah. That's what Kyle does with his defenses. Talk about the challenge going into Rice-Eccles, a little bit of elevation. It's going to be a hostile environment, period. They've been you know, filling out the stadium for every game. Talk about the challenge going into that game coming off of Oregon State. Oh, well, it'll be a – I mean, you, you mentioned it, hostile environment. They pack that place. They're really big and physical uh, up front, both sides of the ball. And, uh, I mean, they're going to play – what they what they do you know it's like they're gonna they're gonna light up and 
get after you in man-to-man coverage. Like they're going to force you to beat man-to-man. They're going to play, you know, run boxes. And then on on offense, they're going to run the ball and play action you. I mean, they, they're they're good at what they do and they're really physical. And, you know, it comes down to who's more, you know, who's more physical and who wins the one-on-ones. I mean, this is sometimes we make this game like out to be more than it is. I mean, there's scheme involved. There's no doubt. And you got to have good schemes and they have good schemes, but at the end of the day, you got to play physical and you got to win one-on-ones. Yeah. Good scheme discipline about running that scheme, right? You can have the greatest scheme in the world if you're not disciplined about doing it. And I've seen teams that do that, obviously. And then physical win the game. Absolutely. Cam rising is a big question for them. Here's a guy who is, he's a difference maker, right? He is a culture guy. He is the guy we've been talking about in terms of brings the attitude. The whole team picks up when he's there, has not played this season, coming off of an injury. They keep predicting, you know, the next game is going to be the game. The next game is going to be the game. They talked about after the bye week, which is, you know, now for them coming back. Do you expect to see him back? Or if he comes back, how much of a difference does that make? Well, yeah, it it can change maybe the dynamic of what they do on offense a bit. I mean, I don't think they're going to, all of a sudden, change every play, but um, he's a he's a he's a starter for a reason. They took him to the Rose Bowl. I mean, he's a really good player. Not all two quarter, not all quarterbacks are the same, you know. It's like so they'll run what they run. Uh, do they do different things with him? Yeah, maybe a bit, uh, but I don't know if he's going to play or not. I mean, I, he might. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and that we have to prepare for what they've done and then be ready uh, if he plays. And yeah. So now, big road test for Fernando. We talked about his first game at home. Great way to open up. Big road test as well against Utah. Two great defensive teams in a row, by the way. Um, what what are you counseling him going into this game? Oh, just keep it between the lines, you know? And I think he will. Like, he's so focused. And Fernando will literally, will, will literally try to do exactly what you tell him to do. And if you tell him to keep it between the lines, focus on the football on the field, and try to, you know, not worry about the uncontrollables. That's exactly what he's going to do. And he's a disciplined guy, and I think, I think he'll he'll do well with that. Obviously, it's a different challenge. It's a it is a hostile environment, but um, I have faith in in him, and I think he'll take the next step as a quarterback. That's awesome. And then, of course, you're also battling environmentals. A little bit of altitude, and for me, it was always more the dryness because your lungs felt dry as, more than the oxygen. What are you telling your team? What are you doing to work with that? Yeah, there's really, I mean, all the data shows, as you would know, you got to be at altitude for, yeah, I think it's, I don't know how many certain number of days or weeks before you're actually acclimated. So you have to hydrate is a big thing. Hydration's key, and you're going to feel it a little bit on your lips, um, but it's, it's not a danger. Um, if it was a danger, our doctors and sports med staff would not let, the players play. Um, so yeah, acknowledge it and hydrate and let's go play. Yeah. Mindset, such a big difference maker at that, right? Well, it's going to suck. Let's get through it. And here we yeah. go. And so get that done. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing the game this week. Looking forward to see the defense rebound for sure. Uh, and I appreciate your time coach. All right. Thank you. Now let's talk about Utah's offense. And I say that because there's not a lot to talk about. They have not been good. Huge piece of that is injuries. Cam Rising, who is their all-everything quarterback, all-American, has he injured his knee, and they thought it was just a torn ACL uh, in their bowl game last year. 
he just admitted on the radio last week that it was a lot more severe than they originally let on that it was. So outside of being a torn ACL, he also tore meniscus, which is the cartilage in there. He also tore his MCL, medial collateral ligament. That's the one that runs down the inside of your knee. And then he tore his patellolateral or something like that, patellar, so the patellar tendon as well. So huge, big time knee injury. And he has not been ready to play yet. I saw him warming up with the team wearing the brace. And even then, it looked like he was still limping. So I'm not sure that he's going to be ready to go for this week. I've been on a couple radio shows back there in Utah. And the radio host thought that he would not be able to go this week or would not be ready to go this week either. So I don't know what the story is there. Even if he does go, it's not like he's going to be in mid-season four. He is going to, if he shows up and he plays, he's going to be rusty, period. Hasn't played. The rest of the team is at mid-season form. He has yet to take a snap. He'll be better than what they've had, but he will not be the cam rising that you saw finishing those seasons. On top of that, he's also going to be a little bit nervous about the knee. So there is no way to come back from an injury like that without a little bit of hesitancy about the knee. And so game one, he is not likely to be the dude that we remember him being if he comes back at all this week or for that matter, this season. So there's rumors that he may not make it back this season. We'll have to see how that plays out. I like him as a quarterback a ton. So I hope whatever he does... He does the right thing for him to continue playing football, both A, at Utah, and then professionally as well, because I really like him as a quarterback. I think he's a good football player. Uh, I think he's a great team leader. I think he will be undervalued in the drafts, but a team that gets him, if they give him a shot, will then appreciate what he's worth and what he's all about. So anyway, all that said, they're averaging 19 points a game. No bueno on offense. No Cam Rising, no Brent Keithy. The all-everything star tight end is injured for them as well. So lost a huge target there. He is a really good football player. He is going to be a Sunday player. He's out. Micah Pittman, he was a receiver up at Oregon, you'll remember. He actually transferred to Florida State. And then in the spring, tore labrum in his hip, which is that cartilage lining on the inside of his hip, and transferred to Utah. And then he has been injured with a shoulder at Utah. So hasn't played a ton there either. Their top receiver right now, Money Parks, has 160 yards receiving. That's it. Not very much. Two touchdowns. They are averaging 3.4 yards per carry rushing the ball. 143 rushing yards a game. So, okay. Middle of the Pac-12. Not great. They are... In terms of scoring points, they are number 12 out of 12 in the Pac-12. And then they're passing for 154 yards a game right now, which I think puts them at 11th or 12th in the Pac-12. Not very good. That said, they beat UCLA 14-7 to because their defense is so good. They held UCLA to 7. And the young quarterback down at UCLA, Dante Moore, looked awful because they had edge pressure on him constantly. So he did not look very good. He had a rough outing and it was those edge guys that were wreaking havoc with him. And he was just guessing all day long. He was missing routes. Plus UCLA was dropping some passes. So it wasn't just him. They had dudes that were dropping the ball as well. When you play physical defensive teams, you will 
oftentimes see receivers who get locked up and can't get their concentration, can't get their focus back in time to catch right. And so UCLA was having a problem with that. They were not catching the ball, uh, maybe for fear of getting hit. I'm not sure. But um, they still won that game. So 14-7, to they lost to Oregon State, same team that we just hung 40 on, although they hung 52 on us. Uh, but they lost to Oregon State 21-7. to So not scoring a lot of points there in Salt Lake City. That said, Cal's defense needs to shore itself up. They need to bring it back together. They need to get their focus back. They need to get their discipline back, quite honestly, because they fell apart. And even Coach Wilcox said last week he had no idea why they were making the mistakes they were doing. I mean, he had an idea, but it, it was uncustomary for him to see his, one of his defenses and Peter Sermon's defenses do what they did last week. So uh, defense has to get itself back together if they want to do anything. Again, remember, home record, they've won the last 17 games. Difficult place to play, hostile environment, second start for a young quarterback. He needs to get out, just be efficient early. If he's efficient early, he gives himself a chance. I showed you the way that he reads. I showed you the way that he sees the field. And so if he just does that again, and he's efficient and protects the football, no interceptions, uh, or try to limit at least any turnovers, right? You still got to try to stretch the field. You still got to go for the shots when you have them. But be defensive of the football. Make sure you don't give it away. Make them earn it. But if you can do that, and the Bears have a real chance in this game because Utah is not scoring points. So I think if the Bears can put 28 on the board, it wins this game for sure. Um, 33 would be nice. They're averaging 34 and change, so they're scoring pretty well. Rushed the ball for 241 yards last week. They can go in if they get the box numbers right, and if Fernando's making the right reads, they could have another good game rushing the ball. That would be nice, and that would help a ton, and it would alleviate some of the pressure on the pass game as well. But have to beat man coverage on the outside, have to be smart about what you're doing with the ball, no turnovers, and take the ball away. If they can do all that, Bears stand a chance of winning this game on the road against a very tough opponent. Again, the fact that their offense is hobbled helps, but the Bears stand a chance to win this one. And that's it for today. So uh, great opportunity for the Bears to go in and win one against a team that is not performing at their best offensively. I think they found a quarterback in Fernando and just a second test for him here this week. But if they can put it together, they stand a chance. And that's what you hope for going into a game. You can always catch me on the radio. We start one hour before game time. So one o'clock mountain time, which means 12 o'clock here is when the game starts. So our pregame will start 11 o'clock here, KGO, 810. You can catch me there. If you want to learn more about football, like you like the stuff that I drew up for you here today, check out my YouTube channel, Elite Athletes TV on YouTube. Subscribe, please. The more subscribers I get, more benefits me, the algorithm picks us up. So you'll see a lot more Cal stuff going up there shortly. I am looking forward to this game. I can't wait to see Fernando's second game. And you can catch me on the radio. Until then, I am Mike Pulaski for Ultimate Insider and Bear Insider. Go Bears.